You're listening to Soul Radio. Yo, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Best of Both Offices podcast. Shout out to Dev Jam Records and all that. Shout out to my partner, J.O. He couldn't be here. And the reason he couldn't be here is because I am in Dubai. We're broadcasting out of Dubai. Um, he had to pay rent, so he couldn't pay for his flight. You know what I'm saying? I saved my money like a smart person, but he just, you know, he'd be going to strip club too much. Just kidding. Yeah. Max, he don't really go to strip club like that. It's all right. It's I think right, he goes dude. to the strip club as much as an average person does. You know, like spend a respectable amount of money. Right, to right. Club. Not That's, spend like the rent money or your kids' food right. money. But like, miraculously or, you know, unfortunately, this time he did spend his rent money. Uh, you know, I feel like you have to have a monthly allotment. You know what I mean? Like you do your <laughs> budget, budget it, right? do your budget properly, and if you do your budget properly, strip club money is included in your monthly there budget. You there you go. So shout out to Jo. Um, but we have a very esteemed guest, a good friend of mine. I've known him for. I, we're gonna. You know what? Fuck it. We're aging ourselves. This, this show. Yeah. I've known him since 1994, five. Safe to say. Yeah. yeah long time. It, that's definitely safe to say. One, one of, one of the above. Right. Yeah, so. Right. Right. So. We're gonna. Re- I, I, what and I'm and do- we were not four years old when no, we, we were. <laughs> we, we did not know each other from kindergarten. Right, we were rocking. We were in the streets. You <laughs> we know were right? grown men. Right, um, but what I'm gonna do with these interviews, man? I'm gonna, not even interviews. We just talking. We just. This is just a powwow. We're gonna reverse engineer shit. So I want to know what you're doing now, what you have in the horizon, before we even continue. Well, as you mentioned, we're in Dubai, mm. so we, we have not once again run into each other in the streets of New York. Right. We've run into each other in the streets of Dubai. You said something interesting, by the way. Can you, to me and Bobito that, that night, about seeing people here. Remember what you said? Uh, I mean, it's kind of, oh, so I think this is probably it. I don't know, because I never remember what comes out of my mouth <laughs> specifically. But I think it was to do with the fact that it's really interesting. It's This is my first time in Dubai. I know this is not your first. Nah. But so... The, one of the most interesting things of many very interesting things has been to come out here and be surrounded by people like yourself, Babito, Stretch, Clark Kent, mm. Miss Info, and run into this all of these familiar faces. And um, but not only familiar faces, people who are really like exceptional at you know their their given specialties. Right. And that's kind of what's brought everyone here together. Um, to, to Dubai, to Seoul, and, and it kind of, and you were saying like it kind of filters out all the the people you don't want to run into in New York. Yes, yes, <laughs> it definitely does that. I mean, well, because I think you, probably, I mean, you probably you're probably in the streets a lot more than me, but you right. know, for me as a DJ, I go out when I'm working. Right, and there'll be certain occasions I really want to go out and support something, and uh, and uh, and I'll go out and support, and so this, I mean, I'm not gonna blow it up, but. You could take over. Speaking of running into people that you really enjoy running into and don't really get to see very right, often, right, right, you right. should take back control of your show, my friend. <laughs> well, look, we. So, so look, we're gonna do it like this. This, like I said, this ain't an interview. This is a powwow. These are people who I've been friends with for so long, and and it's just we just gonna have a discussion and just a chill out session. You know what I mean? So, a, a good friend of the room just walked in. My brother Yasin, Yasin Bay, what up, my brother? Peace, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. A lot of shit is happening in these streets. This is just crazy over here. <laughs> so you know, I, I didn't run, run into you in Zimbabwe. I didn't run into you in Madagascar. I ran into you in Dubai. In Dubai, once again. Where we last? You said was in New York. I saw you at the Bro- yeah. at the no Manhattan show. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. At Where I thought York. you were gonna do forty minutes, which you did two two hours and some change. Yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> I wasn't mad. I mean, I was. I didn't even realize it was the nature of time. I guess nah. when you're having a good time, you're just like, oh, that was, was that two hours? <laughs> Felt like a half hour. But shout out to John. I'm glad you had him on the set. I was hyped when I saw oh, him. Oh, yeah, I DJ. love spending with John. I love when we get together and work super time. Right. So what we're doing is we reverse engineering everything. I'm not going to go talk about the past before I talk about what y'all doing now and what the future holds. So, you know, if you can, just let us know what's in the horizon for yourself, uh, for, for, you know, the whole Black Star movement. Let the people know what's up. Well, as far as for Black Star, we're like in the final, final stages of uh, uh, completing the, the next record, um, produced by Malib. Uh, I'm super excited. I'm really happy with the way everything is coming together. Um, 
Currently in New York at the Brooklyn Museum, we have a installation uh, featuring new visual artworks and new music as well. Oh, so the music is going on along with the... The music is uh, people come into the space, uh, they lock their phones away. Uh, you put on the headphones and they take a journey with us for 28 minutes. There you go. There and you go. Uh, I'm really super stoked about that um and when did that start uh started november 15th was the open and it closes uh at that at brooklyn museum on january 26th so uh anybody in the area that's going to be in new york for january 26th please mm. pay us a visit julie Moretu, one of the greatest living visual artists in the world today and my favorite uh was kind enough to give us two original pieces uh, for the show. I worked with Jose Paula, him and I worked on a piece together uh, with the help of my gallerist here uh, out of Dubai, Sunday Rock Bar from the third line. We created a 63 foot long textile mural mm. uh, printed on hemp. Uh, and my man, Ala Eptikar did these fantastic uh, panels, uh, scenotypes, uh, basically images of space, but developed using sunlight, moonlight, and starlight. So it's 20 panels like this. It's really Damn. quite amazing. And uh, yeah, new music. Uh, the name of the album is Negus. Uh, Lord Tusk and Steven Julian produced, uh, between them produced the iteration that people are hearing in Brooklyn Museum. Right. But we have iterations planned for, for Barcelona, for Hong Kong. That's what I was just about to ask you if you're going Milan. to. Milan, yeah, it's definitely gonna gonna move around. I was quite just blessed and fortunate that it happened in Brooklyn, almost 20 years and 31 days to the date of Black mm. and Rose Sides being released. Mm. So Black and Rose Sides was October 12, 1999, and the Negus show opened uh, in previews November 13th. Wow. 2019. So, mashallah, I was just like, I couldn't have planned it any any better. The reception has been great. It's a it's a realization of a of a vision that I've had for a long time in terms of how people engage the music in a more you know intimate setting. Because that's a key to this whole thing, which I don't think you even mentioned is the fact that to go there to the Brooklyn Museum is the only place where you can. Yeah, that's the only place where you can hear it and the only place where you will be able to hear it. You're yeah. not planning to release the music. Not not for this album uh, at, at this point. Uh, I think it would be, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by the way that the experience is happening now, people's response to the experience, the, the other artists that I'm working with as well, how they feel about the experience. So I want to continue as much as we can in that in that vein, uh, in in different venues, and it meant a lot to be able to do it in my hometown. You know, uh, marking the anniversary. Of, you know, a piece of work that really has done quite a lot to be a positive benefit to my life. Uh, so I'm, ex I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I, if I sound like I'm stammering out of enthusiasm <laughs> and excitement, it's because I'm just like, you know, we worked really hard to get to this point. Right. And now that we're here, I'm just like, wow, that's, uh, it's really a great gift. I mean, it, it, it kind of showed, um, when you were performing, uh, when I saw you last week yeah. in Manhattan, like you came off, you know, first came on regular, what we expect from, from the Yasin Bay show. But at some points in the show, I, I peeped that you was just like, damn, we it's been 20, like it's been really 20 years. Yeah, like, man. It's I know, so Max, I know animal. that you could attest to the suit. It don't feel like that shit came out 20 years ago. I, like, and then I thought you was just gonna do that one show in Brooklyn a, a couple months ago. Right, right. But now right. You're, you're layering the shit. I mean, well, the thing is, is that people kept asking. I figured that like doing it at Brooklyn Steel uh, for the for the black and both sides anniversary would be great. And it was great turnout for that, great reaction. You know, then Manhattan was like, we want one too. So right. was and like, then you're okay. doing another Manhattan one. Inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we've been on, I mean, I did, we did quite a bit in, when, when I was out there in the States at the Denver, we did Boston, right. Cali, uh, 
and then all of this was in the mix of like you know uh putting the show up at at uh, at brooklyn museum and and getting all of those different moving parts together so it's been probably one of the most active times in my career in recent memory uh i'm happy to be here at dxb i'm also looking forward to some sort of vacation and, nah, and, B. And nah, B. Shit is just starting days. now. <laughs> that's probably that's probably why you why you've you've waited so long to jump in because you can't like you definitely know that once you start cracking that door open that that people flood. people want to come in. Yeah, it's, and it's, uh, and I'm grateful that there's still a genuine interest in what I do. That I'm still interested in what I'm doing. Um, I don't want to abuse my privileges <laughs> with my with my audience, so I'm not. I'm just looking to move in a in a balanced way, not too little, and not and certainly never too much. Right now, um, the Black Star. I, I heard your interview with, with your sit down with Bobito earlier, mm. and you really explained in, in 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 the right way why Black Star took so long to come back together and do the album, and it made a lot of sense. Um, the time is just right. The time is right. You know, there were other times that we could have done it. Um, it's a, it, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to say one key thing you said. You said you not you wasn't going to do the Black Star album for the sake of doing another Black Star album. It had to be better than the first one. Or just something completely different, different right. and, 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 and unique in the same in in its own regard not even in relation to the first one and i think it should be something that's more dynamic or more evolved and because you know we're 20 years older we have 20 years worth more of experience uh we're certainly myself or quality we're not looking to do like some redux of the the original black right. star and i was clear with quality you know above everything else quality is my friend and my brother and that is the priority. The music came out of that friendship, right. you know. Um, but I have talented friends that I don't work with on everything either. So the priority was like, listen, if we make another Black Star, great. If we don't, we at least made Black Star, you know. Absolutely. And in the years that intervened between Black Star, we did great. I mean, Supreme, Supreme, um, Fix Up, Look Sharp. We've with, Mad, with Madlib, right? With Madlib, yeah. we've we've done other work, um, and it wasn't, a, but it wasn't an album. And Quali has done a ton of work in that time. Um, I've done a lot of work in that time. Quali has really been like super active, grinding it out, grinding all the time, and his work ethic is is beyond. And uh, I said, if it's not going to be something as special or another type of special. Then we should just leave a tender moment alone. You know, the quote Billy Joel is like not, you know, it's a great moment. It's a great time. There was not a lot of expectation that we put on it in terms of how people would respond to it. We were just like, this is how we feel, this is what is really important to us, and this is how we're expressing ourselves in this space. So the fact that we get an opportunity to do it again. But kind of on our own terms too, you know. Right. It, it wasn't like you know a label paid for this. It was like deadlines and nah. It was none of that. It was like rollouts. Nah, no, no, no. It was like yo, call lib. Let's see if we can, you know get as many beats as we can. He was generous to send us hundreds and hundreds of compositions. Um, to be honest, which we still have yet to even fully listen to because it it took us like three days of just listening. To beats before we even figured out what we were gonna do because every beat, every composition was like strong on its own. Some are better than the ones that we had heard. For. So right. we sat there listening to beats for two hours in the first session, like was spoiled for choices mm -hmm. because it was like, well, we could do anything on any one of these beats. Um, and we finally narrowed it down to like the first three that we would do, and after we did those first three, I was like. We're good. This next Black Star record is going to be fantastic because I was like, if this is the starting point, then that's generally how I feel about albums. The first three songs that you record, it'll set the precedence. It sets the tone mm -hmm. for everything that you're doing. Um, and at least for me. So when I saw that we were good with those first three, and I was, you know, I was like, okay, we'll, 
we're at, good. At that point, was it for sure going to be an album? Oh yeah, we always, I mean, yeah. We knew that like when we coming together, we coming to do this Black Star album. Uh, for years I've been holding the title in my head. I was like, this is what it needs to be. This is what the artwork needs to be. And I shared it with Quali. He was like, that's great. I was like, Madeline needs to do the whole thing. And I put that out there. And you know, it's, it's something to be said for holding on to a vision because certain things will happen in the course of life or in the course of creating a, a project where the energy levels can wax and wane. And it's what you do when the energy level is kind of dipping that really makes a difference. Right. Um, it's easy to be, you know, charged up when everybody's feeling really good, blah, blah, blah. But to stay on it when you just kind of like, is this really going to happen? Like, is, you know, and, you know, I know the audience and quality at different times was like, you know what, let me just left it alone. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I always had the ambition to do it, but I, I always wanted to avoid it being something that we were doing solely for because people were clamoring for it. As a reaction to the demand. Right, right as right. a reaction to demand. You were saying and that. And as much as I appreciate that there's a demand and an audience for it, I wanted to be sure that we were in a space where we weren't so aware of it that was that it was seeping that it would seep into into the music. Into what we were doing, yeah. you know? Uh and it and you know, is that could easily happen. You know, people think that they're impervious to it, but it can easily happen if you're not um, mindful of just keeping it clear. And I wanted to create that environment where it was just like, it's just me and my man enjoying music, enjoying what we hear and creating from, from that space. Well, that's, and we, that's the thing of expectation, like you're talking about with the first one, there isn't- There was no that, expectation. Was, so so you can create, like you could do do you. Peace, peace, what's up? Sensei Barbito just Barbito walked just walking the building. Please join, brother. He he doesn't have to. He's, just like, <laughs> he's, he's like he's doing what he wants to do. <laughs> he's he's announcing basketball games. He's talking to y'all. You know what I mean? He's doing, oh, you did you just, you just announced the basketball? I just I just announced the women's uh, final. Oh, wait, hold on, my mic ain't on. One two. I just uh, announced the women's final that was won by Al Nasir squad. A pro squad that entered their team. And the Soul DXB slash Ball Above All 2019 tournament, and they were nasty, yo. I gave out nicknames. I was snapping. Oh, nice! And everybody was uh, was peaceful, so it was love. I'm doing a men's final at six o'clock as well. I'm sure. And a quick radio show in between. Yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah, why not? You My built name is Bobby Garcia, Cool Bob Love. Just in case y'all didn't know. Um, I mean, how could wait? We're having a cucumber slice. Nah, I did it that. Really? <laughs> when I turned forty. Nah. Yeah, I didn't want to be in my forties. Now I'm fifty three, but when I was in my forties, no, 40s, you, yeah. didn't you didn't sell. You didn't. I didn't want to be. That, I right. didn't want to be going around. Yeah, when I use cucumber slices, it didn't feel right. <laughs> You're like, I'm a grown man. <laughs> I'm a grown 40. man. Nobody. You know, can you, know, you know how like when we did the talk just earlier with right. Black Star and like Talib was saying that he was speaking on your behalf, but he was saying like you know most deaf was. For a time. For a time, right. and you're now Yasin Bey, and that's... that's. I mean, I, it's just a, it's an evolution. I yeah. hope that as everybody lives and breathes that, you know, they're looking to evolve and become like the the fullest versions of themselves and not sure. just like some nostalgia item, you know, to Well, speaking of nostalgia, we go back a little bit, because I see your, your, your mother in the crowd. Yes. Shout out to Mom Dukes. <laughs> I used to call your crib. And she used to pick up, and I used to by mistake say, "Can I speak to most?" And, and I'm like, ah, "I mean, y'all see." <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, she, she know. I we, you know, I had a, people call in the house, and it's, that was before cell phones. People, we. Ain't oh no yeah, this is before all of that. This yeah. is when people actually paid phone bills and had landlines and all that stuff. That's damn. And we used to memorize numbers easier. Like, I mean, I still memorize numbers. I know wow. mad numbers by heart. I know mad numbers. numbers do you know by heart? Like, like I think are like, like your top ten important or like, no, I know top ten important, but I also don't mad. Bob, you gotta you, understand, I didn't have a cell phone until five years ago. I don't even know my, my mother's hero. phone number. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's the funny thing is that people be like, when I didn't have a cell phone, people's first thing would say, well, "What would you do in an emergency?" And I tell them, "What would you do in an emergency?" 
You don't know nobody's numbers. Right? You, know, <laughs> you know speed dial. The battery dial. I know my mother's number. I know my, my sister's number. My brother. My you know my wife. What my, would my, you do? Right? Right? What I, would you do? Guys, I have to go. I have to leave and do some memorization exercises. <laughs> we're like we're fourteen hours from home, and I literally literally don't even know my parents' phone numbers. Yo, this is the, if you want to memorize numbers, particularly phone numbers. This is this is a trick. Don't memorize singular numbers. Re uh, In triplets? Groups. No, groups, doubles. Uh, so, you know, everybody knows the area code, but if the number's like, you know, uh, 525 7560, you, know, you say 7560. Uh, That's an odd number. There's going to be an odd number out. If you do doubles, the first three numbers you can remember, but you'll remember <laughs> sets of numbers. Everybody remembers the first three numbers, but if you try to remember them each individually, that's how you forget numbers. Right. If you want to remember the most important part of the number, which is actually the last four, everybody remembers the first three. But so the, it's last the middle three are in question. How do you remember the middle three? I mean, it, everybody's like two, uh, two, two, five. Two, people just remember. Or you say it to yourself seven times over, and then you, it, it builds up a rhythm. That's okay. how I remember phone numbers because they each uh, it's the sonic of it. I, I never knew. We, I never thought we'd be in Dubai talking about how to memorize phone no, numbers. No, but you don't even have <laughs> to memorize numbers. There's a lot of numbers I don't remember memorize, but in my hand, my muscle memory from having dialed dial so many so times, much. right? And that's another way. And that's another thing is you don't really like now you don't dial it. People look at their contacts you push a button, and a just name. go Duke. Yeah, right. They put stretch S T O. The stretch comes up, and but and I, I yeah. purposely don't do that for stretch. Mm. I don't even have stretch in my contacts. Because I know his number by heart, and I'd rather just be like, nah, what's seven, eight, four, six. Yeah, nah, you but then we in have case your of emergency podcast, break then, glass. We yeah, have your problem most where you change the number every three weeks. You do, bro. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> there was an era where I had a phone, and then I didn't, but it worked out. Right. Because here I am, everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Look it got it. to the point where you said, yo, just email me, fam. Just, e I mean, like, <laughs> and I'm like, how much access do you, and furthermore, in all of your real relationships and friendships, you know, they got a certain sort of elast elasticity. You got people that talk to each other every day, mm. but they don't really have a real bond. And you got people that talk to each other maybe a couple of times a year, and you you, you can't break the bond. Right. Um, Just, you know, regularity of contact doesn't necessarily mean that there's like a real connection so fortunately for me it's like everybody that's in my circle that really is like close to me they know exactly how to get to me and exactly how to get to them and generally i remember all of their numbers you know right right i think i think sometimes maybe the relationships are not you know they're not that close anymore people are more associates now than anything they're like oh this is the person that i call for this thing and this thing and sometimes they text and but there's no there's no real impetus to like stay close. This is kind of you know right functional relationships, I guess. Now, Max, I know you gotta leave in a few minutes. Me too. So there, <laughs> there's one thing I want to ask you before you leave. I want to take it back a little. Hey, hey, keep doing what you're doing. I'm not gonna run out of here. You you asked me to be here. I'm not gonna run out of here. Okay. Keep, you guys. I would stay a hundred years, but I gotta go because if I if I, I you know if I don't police myself I'll all right be so we got we got we'll we do it like this we'll do it like this right so you have the you have the black star uh project coming What's up, you got the um you got the art and, and uh activation you're doing in brooklyn yes yep brooklyn and then you got the the 20th anniversary shows you're doing right yes um two things i need to ask you before you leave okay one what's up with the rumblings with premiere then i'll ask you the second one uh, you ain't yeah. gotta answer it. I gotta Premier, ask. It. Premier did, we did a show Premier with Colo, uh, in Colorado. Uh, yeah, we had something special that we doing with Premier. Okay, it's been a, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long while. Uh, it's Black Star related, but yeah, it, yeah, Colorado was super encouraging. We did we did astronomy over Mass Appeal. And it's one thing to like imagine it, but when we got on stage and did it, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> this is happening. Right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's things happening with Premier. Okay, so you, just, you just stay intel, tuned, party right? people. Yeah, right? Just stay tuned. <laughs> Second thing, I want you to see if you have a off the top of the head memory, because all three of us here have shared 
something with you. Right. Do you remember a time where all three of us were involved or just separate things off the top of your head that you remember from back in the days from, from us? I well, I remember all of the Def Jeff stuff with you. I remember early on with Miss Lily's next door when Max had the the like the the Dr. Love <laughs> like live radio thing. And I was sad when I went away. I was like, this is perfect. And then you mean like Barbados, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's, a, a it's, it's it's like a it's a history book of of memories and and moments from the basketball stuff to everything with Stretch and Bob with the show to when you was doing the vibe thing where you would play records for people. Yeah, that was. And it. I remember you had that interview with Michael Jordan, and he said he didn't know who Miles Davis was. No, he he didn't know who Rakim was. That was crazy. Yeah, that was really crazy. <laughs> Most can I can I share one of my favorite memories with you? Okay, remember doing hard margin at the Creator Studio? Yes, <laughs> I do. You know what's funny? I was just thinking about that verse. <laughs> I remember, I remember all those verses. But remember that session in like some smoky it, room in South London? That was it, I remember that session. I also remember recording at uh, his mom's house. Yeah, that, that his studio was his mom's house. His yeah. mom's house. That was crazy. Oh. <laughs> And how yeah, crazy that track that track came out insane as well. It was Yeah, it was that's I mean I sometimes I'd say quite like we should do that track at certain shows. That's a that's a great track. Yeah. That's was, creators, right? Yeah, yeah the creators, creators. yeah. Because that was my label it was on. Yeah, oh. we did another yeah, world yeah, yeah. and we Remember did a whole Remember the Cage fifty four. You sent yeah. me the, the yeah, test yeah, yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. we got Dan Greenpeace in the house, by the way. <laughs> that, that's the voice that's the British voice right there. You know what I mean? Can I share something? Because I it just sparked something that when you when you said that when and when we were talking earlier. In 2000, uh, on the very weekend of the celebration of the formation of the African National Congress, I was the first U.S. artist, hip-hop artist, to ever perform in post-apartheid South Africa. Oh, wow. And that morning, they brought me to YFM, which was like the Hot 97 of, South Africa. of Joburg, right? It's like the biggest commercial station. It's 9 a.m., and they're playing Black Star. And you know, I walked in and I was, yo, know, my mind was just so blown. I was like, oh, this is like an underground. Like, no, this is and like this man, is the station. This is the Joburg is good for that though. But but I was just like, they they got it. Like they get it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that recommends something different because it was ninety. I mean, ninety four was the you know the the independence. You know, like the end of apartheid. So, and when I was in Cape Town and living there, people were telling, explaining to me that that album the black star album was like a soundtrack for that era and that time mm. so i mean i'm just really fortunate man. i'm really so many years after our basic ambitions were just to you know not get evicted which was a major <laughs> priority for me uh but also just to be able to continue to do what we do on a professional level any artist any person is able to do what they do vocationally over a long period of time is that's a that's a great blessing. I always looked at people who were able to be professional artists as like unicorns and magicians because it was it's not as easy a thing to do as people would imagine. You know, it's a very competitive field and there's a lot of talented people in the space and it's it's no guarantee that being talented is is gonna be enough. But here we are. Right. They, listen, they, they pull it on know. your coattail. We know. Got, for, for those who are in the area, they performing tonight, right? Yes, sir. Black Star, so check them out. Please do. Hold on, before you finish that out, super quick, and then you can run. My memory, not as good as either of these guys, but, but you're the first person <laughs> that took me to Blue Ribbon Restaurant in New York for oh, a late night nice. meal. I didn't even know it existed and literally changed my life. Yeah, so I, Tip did that to me. He, boo he bougied me up for... <laughs> It was, it was it was after he a show. He got my bougie bars up. I thought I was doing something by going to like you know the little sushi spots. And like Tip was like, "You want to hang out?" I was like, "Yeah." He took me to Blue Ribbon. I was like, "Oh." After a show at Columbia this University, this is how it's done. We came, <laughs> we came we came downtown. It was you, Quali, a friend of mine, and um, and you took us to Blue two a.m. Blue Ribbon, life changing. I've never even heard of that. So Thank I you. It's on Prince it's between uh, Spring and Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most Shukran Aki. Shukran, good Thank to see you, so you man. Yo, Max, so this is what I wanted to ask you, right? When I first met you, it was it was Fat Beats, it was, 
you know, going to parties, you were spinning hip hop. It was things of that nature. And, and then, even when you started doing the clubs like Envy, like we were talking about earlier, it was still hip hop. But then somewhere down the line, I saw the trans transition, but somewhere down the line, it went to dancehall, reggae, et cetera. Explain how and why that happened. And by the way, truth be told, you did influence Cypher. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, no, 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 no. He'll, with, no, he'll, he'll say it. In the, the early days of, of him being on the radio, I used to give him all of that music. When, right. he, was fi- when he was filling in for Flex before he had his own, mm-hmm. his own slot on Hot 97. And, and he'll, he'll be the first one to say it. We're right. still, we are great friends <laughs> to this day. Um, I was always the guy in a, in a hip-hop party where, like, in a New York hip-hop party, um, there's always a big West Indian community in New York. So, of course, we all grew up with it. Right, so you would hear... There would always be a reggae set. Every hip hop party, there would be a reggae set. I was the guy that would play two. Then the two started being a little longer, a little longer. And um, I just found myself enjoying doing that more. Mm. So like, as I had been DJing for a long time, was doing um, uh, a lot of hip hop parties in the city that I was very excited to be doing and it was cool. But then after like X amount of years of doing any of this stuff, um, some of that kind of wears on you a little bit. Um, and at that time I was just, I had always been super into reggae. And like I said, from the beginning, that was a part of like, you know, my first 10 records that I bought would have probably been equal amounts, hip hop, reggae and house music in New York in 1989 would have been the soundtrack. You kind of like everybody's soundtrack. Um, So I just started getting more and more kind of in that direction because it was like, as I was getting older, um, something that I enjoyed more like participating in, in that way. Um, and I still like one, one of the reasons I'm here and hanging out at, at Seoul today, um, where I have no real work today, cause this isn't work. This is just hanging out. Right. Um, but hanging out today is, um, at the end of the day we, uh, to get to hear Stretch Armstrong and Clark Kent play. Right. They're going to kill that shit. They um, kill it every year. Yeah. So, so I, I like, so I, my love for it stays in, in that aspect. I just found myself as a working DJ, which is like what I've always been, you know, my whole life, you mm-hmm. know, as many gigs as possible, traveling as much as possible, whether it's three, four, five nights a week in New York or wherever, um, with that kind of pace and schedule, um, I shifted myself into something that I was just enjoying more and, 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 and still learning about at that time. Right. And you didn't only shift into that. What you did was you create, and I'm going to explain it to the people who don't know the New York scene. You you created a whole little subgenre, and not even a sub a sub social place where people could go. Let me explain that because in New York, as much as we're influenced by the reggae and dancehall uh, culture, we also hip hop is here, the dancehall stuff is here. And I realized it years ago when I went um, to Brooklyn one time with with a friend who was deeply immersed in in the, in the dance hall scene. He took me to Elite Arc, and this was when they was open and all that shit, and some, a couple other ones. And I was like, this is another world. This it's, is another world. Like, it's another world. Um, thank God I whole, came with him. It's a whole other <laughs> world within New York, and right. a world that you know really well. Exactly. So I've been you- to all those streets that he took me, but never yeah. been to those parties. Never seen those people. Didn't know anybody, which was great. It was a great discovery factor, but you kind of took that and put it downtown or put it in Brooklyn as well, but made it palatable. Not, I don't want to say palatable, but made it so that other people could like, come what, and experience what, it as well. So the main thing that I enjoy about it, and and that was where that was where hip hop doing that in in the lane of the hip hop music that I was doing with the one of the the main thing that I really enjoy about it, whether it's like DJing in a club or doing I did a radio show right here earlier, is like. I just love that music and I love the culture and I've become immersed in it. I really like sharing it with people right. and kind of like spreading and being like, yo, here, check this out. If you, I, I hope you guys like it as much as I do or take something away from it. Take like, oh, I like this song or a year later, go do some research and, and, and learn about it. Like that's the thing that I enjoy most about it. So I think what you were just saying is kind of like, is that aspect of it of, of me just wanting to 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 share it in I don't need to go back and preach to the choir of the people that I'm right. learning this from mm-hmm. they don't need that they Absolutely. this is what what they grew up living and breathing yep. um so part of like what I enjoy doing is 
kind of sharing it in different places and in different avenues and lanes. And uh, another thing you did to make it effective like that is that you brought, you would team up with different parties and it'll be two rooms, which was always dope. And then you, you know, like I said, you had people that would be an intricate part of your, uh, uh, your party, like rest in peace, Micro Don. And you know, he, he really brought the MC, uh, aspect to it and really livened up the party and just you know i know and i, I don't want to you know go into too much detail but you know he was a, he was a real good brother every time i saw him he had a smile on his face um he's definitely a big loss to us but i want to know how that even happened how did michael don get part, get down and 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 then become an mc for what you were doing micro came downtown in a pretty interesting way because his sister is a DJ, DJ Maya. Mm -hmm. um, they're all from Flatbush, Guyanese and Puerto Rican family. And Word up. <laughs> Bob, you're Guyanese and Puerto Rican? No, no. <laughs> that was for the Puerto Rican. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, so it's Guyanese and Puerto Rican family. And his sister is a great DJ. And coming from the days of carrying crates of records, when there were not a ton of female DJs, there were not a ton of women DJs, um in in hip-hop or other forms of music probably even less so you know in 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 the world of flatbush and dancehall and reggae and so we we started a party dj gravy started a party right, called called rice and peas and there were a bunch of people involved in that um started getting a cool little following small little downtown thing where again we were doing this thing of kind of like make flatbush meeting downtown and one of the other partners whose name was Bo, knew maya because Bo was involved in a record distribution company that other friends of mine own. So he knew Maya. So he invited Maya to come and play. And Maya brought Micro. And I don't know the exact story behind this, but I felt like Micro wasn't really out everywhere. He wasn't her mic man necessarily. Hmm. But she brought him out to that because this was something outside of that Flatbush lane of like, okay, well, here, we're going to do some downtown thing. Let me check this out, like let, let, let Micro, and kind of see if Micro can really like hold it properly. Right. So she brought Micro with her, and one is just a guy, like you said, like an infectious personality. Everyone, and that, vo yo, yeah. I don't know if you ever met Micro Don Bob, he was like 4'11", but had the voice of like Samson, like you know, yeah, his yeah, voice yeah. was crazy. And so like you, you, if you hear his voice, you think it's Shaq, like that, he's that tall. And so and so he came out he came out and rocked with mine everyone was like yo this is like this dude really has it this is really good so he would come with maya because it was a rotation of people so he would come every time maya was playing um and then he started coming in just as a part of the the party itself so whoever was rocking mm -hmm. he would be on the mic and he really became um the voice of that party right and also a little you know and also kind of the face because he was such a you know like everybody loved this guy everybody right. and the the party in the the iteration where it really got well known was at sway and it was in an era where sway was kind of this epicenter yep. of downtown new york mm -hmm. all kinds of different musical scenes so all these different people were coming through sway and kind of got Got and it wasn't even a big spot. It was a tiny like, spot, yeah. tiny spot, like 100 people. Got introduced to what we were doing, but also got introduced um, to Micro, which kind of led. That was kind of the start of him really kind of moving on and taking music right. seriously. That's what's up, man. Rest in peace, Micro Don, man. Thank you so much for all the shit you did for us, bro. Bob. Sleepy Bob. Yo. <laughs> Jet lag, Bob. <laughs> Yo, um, Bob, man. I mean, so, with you, you're like... You're like a big brother to me. I don't even know where to hey, start. Time out, time out. Where'd you get that green juice? Green juice. You need a green juice? Gotta edit that part out. Let me no, get no, the no, green no. juice. No, but where'd you get I, it? I didn't open it. But where'd you get it? They gave it to me here when I did a show earlier. Oh, because, no, it's not cold. <laughs> but thank you. I'd like to get a green juice later. Somebody <laughs> anyway. Bob a green juice. Yeah. Thank you, Max. Max, I'm good sorry. looking. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's all right. It was a sentimental moment. You fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the green juice. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it, all, right. all right. So, wait, I'm, I'm like a. Uh, You're like a big brother to me, man. I don't even know. Like, interviewing you is weird. You know what I mean? Like, I can't. Well, then let's not. We, let's, we just gotta don't talk, interview man. Me. We just yeah. gotta talk, man. Yeah. Uh, I have known you for a long time. I don't even know what the starting point of being aware of who Mozzie is. I would 
imagine it's the New Yorkian Poets Cafe. It wasn't used, yeah. When you when bringing you, hosted, you on stage, yeah, and 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 um, it was my first time. No, sorry, my second time at New Yorkian, and you know, I really prepared the rhyme, got up, rock, and he turned to me. He's like, like good shit. Yeah, shit. Oh, cool. that, that was the first. But let me tell you one memory from the New Eureka that stuck to me, stuck with me till today. You, you used to do spoken word off the cuff. Like you used to just, yeah. I mean, it sounded like you was doing it off the cuff, right? Am yeah, I right? It was, it was off freestyle. the top of the head. Yeah. Improvised. Right. Not to get mistaken with uh, with hands-on experience, which no, was a re- <laughs> We're not going to talk about We're that. We're not going to talk about that. Those who we, know, we know. right here. <laughs> Oh man! Please but don't. you were doing one of your freestyle poems, and I think you was kind of like frustrated at something, and you turned, told the dude to turn the lights off, and you was just going off, right? Mm. And you said something. You said, "Would you would half would most of you be my friends still? Yeah. If I worked at McDonald's, I said that. Yeah, and oh. didn't McDonald's has been a theme today, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can it, I tell you? I, I just taught my son. A, a medley from my childhood. McDonald's is your kind of place. They right. sell rattlesnakes, hamburgers up your nose, French fries between your toes. Last time I went there, they fried my underwear. <laughs> McDonald's is your kind. Of, anyway, we, knew, we used to sing that as a as as a as a kid. Anyway, back to your story. <laughs> so I, I I'm surprised I mentioned McDonald's. So you're like, if I didn't wasn't on the radio, I think you was. You, I don't know if you were hot at the time too, but if I wasn't on the radio, if I wasn't doing this, DJing X, Y, Z, and I was working at McDonald's cleaning the floors, would most of you even be my friend? Mm-hmm. How many of you are really my friend? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to tell you exactly. That was September 25th. Wow. 2006 when I turned 30. And every time, I, I don't celebrate my birthdays or recognize them, but every 10 years when I turn 40, 50, uh-huh. I have these like, grand revelations and i share them publicly right and uh yeah and that was off the top of the head freestyles very cognizant of the amount of people the growing amount of people who were getting to know who because at that point in 96 i was doing nike commercials right basketball i, was, I had vibes you know i was playing ball i was announcing ga- games I, I was on hot by then mm-hmm. hot 97 me and stretch had the the case wkcr show mm-hmm. i was doing a new york post cafe msg I, was, I, I mean i was you know juggling so much yeah and, um, you know, I, I think it's a point of clarity that we often have throughout, not just at, at uh, pinnacles of our lives, like like when we celebrate our birth, but, um, you know, it's a question that, uh, you know, you, you think about, you do, right. you do, no matter what level of uh, public figure you are, mm-hmm. one ponders at one point or another, like, who's really who's really my friend who's really down with me right you know right yeah anyway so that's to give you back the background on that <laughs> and, and and you know on the flip side one thing you were always known for was you would always give respect to anybody at any level so like i remember i used to deliver pizza and then f- hurry to finish so i could come see you at kcr and just check you and just be like what up yeah whether I had a record or not to give you, sure, like just sure. come to the to the church joint. Yep. When you, yeah, had you, church. you had the uh, open invite. Yeah. So you know, yeah. just like just like, and you gave me the same respect that night. Remember, you gave me the same respect you gave Cameron. For sure. And, you know what I'm saying? And it was uh-huh. like we're both in the waiting room, whatever that little hallway mm-hmm. area. So I learned a lot from that. So I want to thank you. You know what I mean? Thank I you. mean, not to say that I wasn't like that myself, but it just reiterated and reinforced the way I was, man. Um, have you retired from basketball? Are you still play? No, What's no. I was, I'm announcing. I just did the women's final. I'm doing the men's final. And I know why you. Playing? I know. I know. Yeah, but I, <laughs> and in between at halftime, I was putting up jumpers, and okay. I regularly play. Uh, now that my son is in school, um, but prior to that, since my son's birth, it, it, it was the first detour since 90, 1997 when I tore my 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 MCL, um, where I had to take off a couple months. But other than that, I've been playing straight through, and I'm 53 and very. Very blessed to still be playing. Wow. Um, I run a tournament around the world in 30 international The 21 cities, joint, right? Full court 21. Yeah. And um, when I do it in New York, and when I'm overseas as well, like I announce, I produce, and at some point I just can't help it. I, I, I suit up, <laughs> I suit up, I get on the court. And this summer actually in New York, I won a couple of games. And uh, that, that felt good because uh, prior to that, uh, you know, people were making fun of me saying I was washed up and, you know, 
Uh, there was one game I ain't scored. They were like, yo, how you not going to score in your other tournament, in your own tournament? Mm. But, um, you know, these are things that we face as we get older. And uh, and we try to have still have fun with it. So I'm going to play whether I'm nice or not. You know? Right. Now they got to scrape I'm, you off the basketball. I'm still court. nice, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'll still, I can still put it up. <laughs> um, have you ever thought of uh, coaching? Oh, I've I coached on a professional level, college level, and high school level. Oh, where? Yeah, for okay. sure. I used to work out Lori Moore for the New York Liberty Okay. Um, do private instruction with her. I mean, private uh, workouts with her. I was the the women's coach of uh, the John Jay uh, College varsity right. team. I was also the high school coach at a Puente in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Oh, word. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, and I've done clinics in Senegal, and Brazil, and Puerto Rico, China. You know, I've done clinics all around the world. So I, I've I've done a. I started coaching Mozzie when I was 15 years old, actually. Wow. Central Baptist. Uh, um, squad in uh, the Upper West Side. Um, yeah, I, I coached the 11 year olds. Uh, one kid went on to be a high school All-American at LaSalle, mm. Craig Batchelor, and Mike Parker went on to be the all-time assist leader at Cornell. Mike, Mike Parker, the same cat who decided to do the Nike Air Force One times Puerto Rico's back in, in 1999. Oh, okay. Yep. Legend in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love your basketball accomplishments. I just don't like your editing skills when you do your reels. I don't like those. You know <laughs> yeah, you got caught up on whatever, it. Whatever, whatever, bro. Next subject. <laughs> Did you know I that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, me and Mozzie played in the uh, Rock City career anniversary. Oh, you cut him out? Nah, no, no, no. I just crossed him up really pretty whatever, bad. Whatever, bro. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about something else. I should have put that on slow motion, like, oh, there goes Mozzie. But he didn't put the, the play before when I when I when I stole the ball. It's yeah, like, no, we edited that out. Yeah. We edited that out. <laughs> but I know you gotta go soon, Bob. You have you have to announce the basketball game. I do. My, my Actually, Ray Allen is over there. Oh, dope. Real quick, the Shit. band. Wait, was I supposed to not say that? I, I think that's a secret. But anyway, no, not anymore. They, well, in 15 minutes, won't be. Yeah. So I know you and Stretch have a band. I want you to touch on that before you leave. Absolutely, pause. Stretch. Stretch and I. No, I don't play that pause game anymore. Really, I'm we in, still do. Long retired from that. <laughs> um, Stretch and I have a band, Stretch and Bobito with the M19's band. It's a live thing, no program beats. Uh, and it's live in that every single song on the album is geared towards groove and dancing. Mm. And um, Taking it back to the Two Eyes days. <laughs> you remember that? Um, we're very proud of it. Uh, it's gonna blow people's minds. If you haven't already heard our first two singles, they're available on iTunes, Amazon, uh, Spotify. The name of the band again? Stretching Bobito in the M19s. We okay. have a rendition of Shaka Khan's I Know You, I Live You, which includes the Afro Boricua drum beat, uh, drum break. Mm -hmm. We also redid Babe Ruth, uh, the Mexican, oh, which includes no, a plena, an Afro Boricua uh, drum, drum break uh, with plena drums. Can which, we still uprock to it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, I, I'm editing and directing a music video for the Mexican and uh, and and uh, Jazzy Jess, Shadow, um, Phoenix, Easy Mike and Why Not of Rocksteady are all uh, making cameos in the video. Oh, wow. You should, you're not going to have an uprock line? We have that Papo of the of the Dynamic Spinners uh -huh. and some of his members, crew members, uh, did a, a small Apache line. Uh -huh. um, trying to get a bigger a bigger one, perhaps shot in New York. That's still in development. But uh, yeah, look out for the video. And the, the album drops January 17th. Um, and our New York debut is at the Gramercy Theater on January 23rd. Dope. Uh, we're doing our U.S. debut at the Kennedy Center, the nation's official cultural center. So we got big things planned for our M19's project. We're hoping to perform here live on stage at Soul DXB in 2020. Why not? That's in discussion with the with the crew out here. And uh, the album is called No Requests. And it's on 10-time Grammy Award winner Eddie Palmieri's record label. Mm. Um, so we have tremendous support from a Latin music legend. What's the name of the record label? Uh, Uprising. Mm. Yeah, so we got some political and social justice messaging in, in, the, in the album as well. Rich Medina. Did a spoken word for us. Shout out to Rich's birthday. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And um, he he went in on uh, you know, gave him some uh direction on on what what uh, what we wanted the vibe for his spoken word piece to be. And uh, you know, Rich and I have been collaborating from from the New Yorkian days. When I he mean, was came as a poet. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And I was on a mic. So um, yeah, we also got uh Grammy Award nominees uh Mireya Ramos and Maimouni Youssef on the album 
We have Latin Grammy Award winner Mireya Ramos on it. We got Jose Pala, the artist, mm -hmm. on it. Um, What's he doing? Haha, what <laughs> you like to know. He's on our, our rendition of Que Se Sepa, the Roberto Rowena uh, classic, and he's just talking smack. Are you uh, talking yeah. smack like the end of the MF Doom record? Like similar to that, but <laughs> no, I did not talk smack on our old album. I did sing background vocals on Que okay. Se Sepa. But uh, I don't know that I'll be doing that live. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, auto-tune, they got it now. Yeah, yeah, I know. Maybe we should bring you on stage, Mozzie. Me, you, Vaz, and we should get an Apache line. Let's do it. I got the ibuprofen when, on deck. When, <laughs> oh, that's right. You had the hip surgery. Yeah, it's all good. I still got it. Yeah. Don't worry about me, bro. Uh, uh, I burned you a couple of times, you too. Never, son, you never me, Don't call never. me son. I'm 53. <laughs> right. S-U-N, you shout like that. Oh, okay. Yo, you never buried me on that uprock shit, ever, bro. Basketball, I got, I got gotta, tape. I got tape, bro. You ain't got tape of me and you on, on uh, the uprock. That's shit. what you think. Because <laughs> right. it never happened. Not, okay, say no more. Don't be shocked when I post it on Instagram. Oh my God. Yo, Bob, thank you so much, man. No, I'm done. I mean, you can talk. talk. You gotta, no, no, I got to go back into the announcement. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Mazi, love you, bro. Thank you, uh, my brother. Love you too. You're listening to Soul Radio. It's the best of both offices podcast. Def Jam is helping out, yes. Word. Well, shout out to Def Jam. You know, gave me my start in 1989. That was my first industry job. So. Can I tell you something about that yeah. real quick? Real quick. Yeah. When I first started at Def Jam, I was actually in the department that you were in, right? I started and continued in that department. And one day, my boss pulled me to the side and said, let me tell you something. The best radio promoter to ever do it here was Bobito. And by then, I knew you. Like, we was, it was years after I knew you. And I was like, really? He never told me that. It was, just, it, was, it was just crazy to hear him say that. I, from all the radio people that's been there. Who said that? Mike Kaiser? Nah, Rob Love. Oh, word. Yeah. Okay, dope, dope. I appreciate that. If you want more information about my whole entire history, I, I directed an autobiographical documentary called Rock Rubber 45s, which premiered in Asia last year here at SoulDXB. It's available on iTunes, Vimeo, etc. Much love, y'all. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace, Bob. You're listening to Soul Radio. Dan. Mazzy. Last but not least. <laughs> all right, let me be totally transparent with you, right? I've heard your name for years, but I never met you, and I never really knew what you do. Like, I knew you had a mayoral status in the UK and, and probably in Europe, but I never, like, I'm telling you from, like, everybody, from artists in New York, from promoters in New York, from DJs, to you know, personalities like like Bobby, yeah. I've all your name always has rang bells. I don't think but, anybody knows what I do still. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm kind of the same. But I wear many hats too, so I feel you. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm empathetic on that level. But um, yeah, man, like I'm, it's crazy that I'm meeting you for the first time. It, it was meant to happen now, yeah, right? Man. And I, and I just met you on a humble. <laughs> just my man Berto just introduced me to you, like, and I was like, yo, fuck it, come on the podcast because I know of the name ringing so much bell. So just please, for the people who don't know, including myself, <laughs> to a certain the level. The history. Yeah. It's really hard to pin down. I mean, I'm kind of known for radio, doing radio in London. So, you mm -hmm. know, Zane Lowe is on Beats now. Me, yep. me and Zane started the hip hop show called The All City Show mm -hmm. uh, in London, sort of uh, year 2000. Very much inspired by what Stretch and Bob did because mm -hmm. I, I went on Stretch and Bob show a number of times at KCR. When I was a journalist, I was writing for Hip Hop Connection magazine in the UK. So right. I used to write a lot for that. Uh, and then I started doing radio in London. Then I got into artist management. Then I got into DJing and radio and talent. And then what, what brought me to Dubai, first I was a DJ. Mm -hmm. I came as a DJ and then I got into sort of talent booking. So wait, so you came last year? You've been here? I've been, I've been here, I'm living here five years. But I in came- In Dubai? Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. I've been living here five years. But I came as a DJ in 2006, just, mm. as, just as a fill-in for someone, uh, just a stand-in replacement. They needed a hip-hop DJ. I flew in from London and then kept on coming regularly, DJing more, bringing DJs out here. Right. Then I got into programming festivals and doing big headline tours nice. out here with big, big artists. So, But prior to that, obviously, my, my origins are in... In fact, my origins are radio. My origins go back to... 1986 when I used to do pirate radio in in, uh, in Leeds actually which is my hometown which mm. is like 200 miles north of London right so I, thanks I, for using miles and not kilometers yeah welcome <laughs> so I, I started as a, a pirate radio DJ and it just came from love of music you know I was I've been into I'm you know I'm 48 I'm almost 50 I've been into this hip-hop thing since the very very early days right um early 80s and um and it was just a love of music and uh, you know I was a a record collector and vinyl collector and just I was anything I could get to do with hip hop in the in the early to mid to late 80s I, w I was a fiend you know right. for hip hop 
And, and so 86, 87, I started to do my own pirate radio show when doing pirate radio was like, you know, very, very illegal. So we'd get, <laughs> we'd get raided by the police, you know, we'd get our equipment confiscated, we'd mm. get our turntables and records taken, wow. you know, never to be seen again. So that's, that's how my passion for radio came about. And then after that, it was, um, I was DJing a lot, club DJing in my hometown. I didn't actually move to London till 97, but by that point I was writing a lot for magazines. Gotcha. So my passion for music was coming magazines through. In, 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 in the, in the UK. UK, yeah, we had, um, you know, we did Hip Hop Connection magazine. So I used to write, and, and that's why I, how I know most and, and Qua, because I used to do a, a column called Independence Day in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Hip Hop Connection. And so, you know, labels like Raucous would fly us out to New York, um, just to spend like two weeks with artists. So I remember- That's when labels had money. Yeah, they had, I mean, independent labels. I mean, they weren't even a major then, right, but you know, right. Raucous would fly us out. They put us in hotel for two weeks. You know, we do bits of work for them. They, they'd ask us to write press releases for them because mm-hmm. their PRs, they had so many records coming out, their PRs were so busy. Yep. I'd be writing press releases for Shabam Sadiq 12 inches. And she <laughs> Shout like out that. to Shabam. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. And then uh, I remember even before, I guess before Black on Both Sides came out, before the Black Star EP came out, they- Company Flow? Yeah, company flow, of course. Um, but I remember Devon, who's the PR at Raucous, took me out for a day in Brooklyn with Mos and Kuali. Mm. And we went to the Kuali's uh, bookstore. In Kiru. Uh, yeah, yeah, in Kiru yeah. Books. And then they took his, took me to Spinner's house. And then we ended up at Das Effects's house. And then we ended up with <laughs> you know, all this kind of random shit. Yeah. Um, but this was before really anyone really knew who Mos and Kuali were. I mean, people knew Mos from UTD and his early, early releases. Right, Medina, Medina yeah. Yeah, and even before then, even like Urban Thermodynamics, they were on Payday yeah. Records, yeah. So, um, but like his, his, his like his brother was there, like you know, DCQ, yeah, yeah, yeah. DCQ, yeah. He was yeah. around. So we, so we, you know, we really the time where we got very active, you know, it was around that time. We'd come to New York regularly, so we were we were getting music, you know, really in advance. Like the labels, the, the labels used to love the fact that we were so plugged in in London. We 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 broke so many like big independent hip hop records in, in the UK and Europe. Right. Like most Def's Universal Magnetic, no one was on it. We'd write about it, we'd play it on radio. And then, you know, before you know it, Raucous was selling 500,000 copies of those, like, you know, those 12 inches, you know, right. across, in, around in, the world. Around, oh, the world. around the world, around the world. Right. And, you know, so we, I remember like seeing Newmark from Jurassic 5 around today, you know, we, I, was, I was the first to like give them any kind of recognition in the UK, the uh, Unified Revolution before they were even Jurassic 5. Uh, wow. So a lot of these guys kind of like wow. really well, you know, Stretch and Bob were our guys in New York and Dan and his crew were our guys in London. So, you know, we kind of broke a lot of artists that way. So, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and then that's where the, the world became a lot smaller, you know, mm-hmm. um, around those times. So now, now your transition to Dubai, I know you said you started uh, DJing here, here and mm. uh, here uh, over the course of time and then booking people. But what was the, the straw that broke the camel's back where you were like, you know what, I'm moving here because it's very different from from London, we can start with the weather, but you know, like it's so many, well, so well, many well, different well, dynamics well, yeah. that are different, you know? It, it is, but it's actually very similar in a kind of weird way. It's probably way more different to, to you and like being in New York. Right. See, London, we're closer. We're only six, six and a half hours away. Well, I mean, culturally speaking. Yeah, no, culture, culturally it's massive. It's like living on the moon. Mm. But because there are so many, because the oil and gas industry here was, was basically built and founded and the structure was put in place by the British petroleum companies. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's always been a lot of British expats living yeah, in, living right. in Dubai. So like, I mean, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of them, probably a little bit less now, but there always were. So it was always kind of coming here. was almost kind of a, a home away from home because you heard so many British accents, Got you. even the stores, the supermarkets, all the kind of like the high street stores were yeah. more British than like the plug points that you use in, uh, you know, for your electric sockets, they're the right. same as the UK. So there was a, they it, were, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's all, it was almost like there's a kind but of, you know, what's good. They ain't ri- driving on the wrong side. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. So at least you have yeah. that, but uh, it was always very much like a, a home away from home. And, uh, but to answer your question, um, I was coming every month for like maybe six or seven years because mm-hmm. I was I was booking shows, I was booking artists, I was promoting events, right. and I was here every month, flying in and out, and and honestly, it was um, it was just a decision. I was like here so much, and I was doing less and less actually in the UK. Mm-hmm. I was still doing radio, but it wasn't at the level I was at once upon a time. Right. I was still managing artists, but it wasn't quite the level I was. I was managing big big artists at one point, hip hop mm-hmm. artists, and. And um, and so I thought, you know, who are what? some of the who are some of the artists? I mean, uh, in the, U- the UK artist, a guy called Sway. Mm-hmm. So like he was like a big. Um, yeah, I mean, he had like a, a, a lot of chart success. 
Um, and so he was a, he was kind of before the Dizzy Rascals broke through, before the Skeptors and the Stormzies. Gotcha. You know, it was a big deal. We had a top 10 records, you know, proper chart records. Mm. And then I used to handle 50 Cent's, all 50 Cent's G-Unit stuff in, in Europe. So okay. um, all the Lloyd, the, when he went, when G-Unit went independent, I sort of promoted and, and, and handled all the distribution for G-Unit wow. like back in the day. So all 50 stuff, Lloyd Banks, all those right. kind of records. Um, but, you know, I kind of thought, let's make the transition. Let's just make the move. And then I've not looked back since. And it's kind of the business has got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, and, and like I say, I book big mainstream A-list artists for shows here. I could be doing an Ed Sheeran tour in the Middle East. Right. But then again, I'll bring an underground hip hop DJ you, out. Just or you bring the Beat Nuts. Or the Beat Nuts. Yeah, yeah. brought the Beat Nuts or, yeah. or Mob Deep or like, you know, um, Large Professor and Diamond D to right. spend, you know. Right. And it's like I, I kind of keep um, attached to my roots by and contributing to the local culture here that way. You know, I kind of see it. People might not know who Large Professor and Diamond D, but when they see them spinning 45s at Seoul, they're like, it's, it's kind of educational. They're it very is. open and welcoming to that. And and it feels like I'm doing my bit, you know, to kind of educate people and, 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 uh, and, and you know, make people aware of the kind of the depth of the culture. Right. You know, so that's kind of as much as I'd love to do that full time, that won't pay the bills, but it, as I do that as much as I possibly can. Right. I brought this just this year. I brought out um, this kid, Coco. He's like a 45 DJ. I okay. don't know if you've seen him. What, Jap the Japanese guy? Japanese kid, yeah, Yo, yeah, yeah. he's nice. Yeah, he's phenomenal, phenomenal. Yo, he's nice with yeah, the 40. Yeah. And the things he does with the 45s, I've really only seen Scratch do it. It's like playing Serato. It's like he's, he's faultless with a record. Nah, so, he's nice, dead nice. So I kind of met up with him, and I know his manager. His manager lived in New York for a long time, a guy called Yasushi, and he was like a real deep record collector. Mm -hmm. He'd sell breaks and records to like Q-Tip and all the big producers. Right. And so I knew I knew Coco through him. So I said, "Why don't you come out to Dubai?" So I brought him out this February, and you know we had oh, two, two, two or three hundred people. And so, like you know, as much as I'm doing the bigger sort of like the bigger A-list artists, I do things like that just to kind of educate and and the A-list artists are, are, are for you to pay bills. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 have, I have a <laughs> the business. Other ones you know. are passion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I brought Drake out here, you know, and Ed Sheeran, and as you should. If anybody's gonna bring you know what? somebody the, of your caliber, should bring man, them. you know, somebody the, of your history. Just you know? bring bring Drake. This is the weird thing, you know, Mr. Morgan. Yeah, used of course. So basically, the whole reason why I got Drake, I mean, we had we had a backer that had, you know, we had a backer that had the millions that are required to bring Drake out. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I secured him, I mean, if I was called calling the agent, they'd be like, yeah, he's not really, he doesn't want to go to Dubai. But I, I went through Mr. Morgan. So I called Mr. Morgan. I had known Morgan for like 20 years because right. I once did a big piece in Hip Hop Connection on Canadian hip hop and Toronto rap. So the Rascals and Cardinal Official and all those guys. And so- oh, Who is the one that- uh, Frankenstein and no, 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 no. Uh, Swollen Members. No, before all that. Oh, okay. Before all that. Uh, oh, Carl, oh well, I know. Fresh Master West. Fresh West. Yeah. Chocolat. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Chocolat. So I, I, I kind of, I did a big piece on Canadian hip hop, and Morgan was kind of my guy in Toronto. Then he eventually moved to New York and started working in the New York record industry. Yeah. He was at Virgin, and he was Priority Records then. So I, I hit up Morgan. I'm like, yeah, I've not spoken to you like maybe in ten years, but I'm trying to bring Drake out. We got a buyer. Uh, we want to promote the show, and and he, he basically he hooked it up. So those kind of really old hip-hop connections excuse yeah. the pun yeah. kind of came full circle but that just shows that you 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 know people in our field a lot of times shuck and jive mm. and you know play the snaky roles that just is a testament and like i said i just met you but that's a clear testament of you doing right by people for that karma to come back and mr morgan 10 years later being like all right i got you and bang 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 you exactly know yeah by the way bang 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 dubai <laughs> is some straight new york shit, right <laughs> so yeah i mean uh i don't know if that answers your question about who, nah, I, who I am and what i do but it does yes, then some it's a very mean? small glimpse you know i was i was just with um paul rosenberg obviously who's the 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 mm -hmm. uh i guess like ceo of yep. of, of def Shout jam out to paul. so uh, again another example of these old things i was at the uh, he did abu dhabi Eminem. he did abu dhabi with eminem a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. Paul and Eminem, you know, I was the first person to interview Eminem on radio in the UK. The first wow. person to give him his first magazine cover in the UK before wow. anyone else, before anyone was even up on it. And Paul was like, uh, when we went to the Eminem show in Abu Dhabi and I was watching the show from where he watches the shows, like right on the uh, the front of house. Mm -hmm. And um, and Paul just leaned over and said to me, remember when you we were at the first Eminem show in London with 300 people and it was a capacity of a thousand people. And the promoter said, we want you to do a 45 minute show. Eminem didn't even have enough material to do 25 minutes. Right. And Paul goes, remember that show? I'm like, of course I remember. I was, I was right there. He goes, yeah, I, I knew you were there. I knew you were there. So like, you've been down with us with Shady for like 
20, 20, 20 years, like wow, 20 plus man. years, you know. And again, and they gave me access all areas. They paid for my hotel in Abu Dhabi to stay there oh, with God. Mark LaBelle and those guys. And it shows you these oh, old- Oh, shout out to Mark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These old, old, he's in the same building, right, yep. as you. So these old connections from the early hip hop days, and that's not even early hip hop days. That's mm -hmm. 2000s, right, not even early. Yeah. The, you know, the history goes even deeper that. Yeah. But some of the, sometimes these um, these bonds that you form in the, in the early days, you know, suddenly 20 years have gone by like that but you're still kind of as, lift, as if time doesn't exist and mm -hmm. you're still there, you know, shooting it and being treated with the kind of same respect as a peer mm -hmm. as, as we were back then. So yeah, it's Absolutely. cool. And, and, and I, will, I will tell you guys, you said, we're gonna close with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end with this. You said something key. You said when it came to people like Large Professor and, and Diamond D and all those people, you brought them for educational purposes to, you know, to educate people. That's what I think soul has done from the two years that i've been here yes is all these visual stimuli it's all over the place you could go into so many different things and and mind-blowing you know activations and, and everything going on like it, it really will blow your mind here but the thread of education they bring that's not preachy mm. but is put in a format and in a setting where people want to learn and want to know it's really edutaining. And, and people are very keen to learn and, yeah, and, 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 and welcome and, it with open arms here. Yeah, for sure. Soul has done it in such a finesse fashion. Mm. You know what I'm saying? From, from, from things like this to, to, to who's spinning and to the shows and to the panels and to the, the, the movies they show. And, and it's, just, it's just a very well thought out to the talks put together thing. So I'm glad you're a part of it. 100%, yeah. Somebody of your caliber and your history, man. I salute you. Thank you so much. And please let people know how they can get in touch with you. For sure. Uh, just Instagram at Dan Greenpeace, as in P-E-A-C-E. -E. And Mazzy, thank you for inviting me on. It's great to meet you. Just right, I mean, literally, uh, like I said, but I heard you your saw name. That six degrees of separation. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, to meet you like two minutes ago and, you know, I say that. <laughs> but um, and then to be here on the on, on the show talking and and, uh, and sharing memories and being here with Mo. So I've got 20 year history with right. Bobito, probably 20 year plus history with Max. I used to go when I used to go to New York, seeing Max spin you know, right. in clubs in, in, in the sort of the 90s, you know, it's like, it really is. Uh, there's been so many full circle moments for me at Soul. Yeah. You know, yeah, we brought artists is. and I've kind of like, you know, I was, when Stretch and Bob first came for the first year, I was on a guest on their show and I'm like, man, I used to come on your show 20 years ago in, in New York and here I am, you, you're in Dubai now where I live. Yeah. And and you're on my show, I'm on your, and it's, it's just, nuts. you know, it's, it's crazy. Nuts. You know, it's, 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 it's an amazing, amazing thing. So, it's great for old man yeah. hip hop. Yes. <laughs> Yo, thank you All right, you Mazzy, so thank you so much. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Yo, listen, you guys who's behind the camera on the board, thank you, my people. Thank you, Soul, DXB. Thank you, Def Jam. This has been another episode of the Best of Both Offices podcast. You can check us out. We are on uh, SoundCloud. We are on Audio Mac and soon to be on all DSPs. We have a bunch of episodes out. Soul, DXB, thank you. I'm your boy, Mozzie, straight out of New York City, but I'm in Dubai right now. Shout out to my co-host who couldn't be here, J.O., God bless and take care of your mother. You're listening to Soul Radio.